hey, Joe Casaboni here, and I'm just letting you know that how I built it is now Streamlined Solopreneur. So if you're seeing a new artwork and a new name in your podcast player, that is expected and by design. The new name better reflects the mission and really what has been the mission of this show for the last few years, and I'm really excited about it. All the links in the show notes and how I built it will still work, but the show also has a new home over at streamlined.fm if you want to check it out. Thanks so much for listening. So I got a LinkedIn request from an agency that said that they were looking for a technical architect. And as I said, I'm running my own business. So so joining another agency wasn't really something I was interested in. But, you know, you throw out the word technical architect when you mostly do solo development. That gets very intriguing because now you're talking about team leadership and architecture and a whole lot of it's like the next level. And so I started talking to them. And there was like, this was for a federal agency with a diplomatic mission. And that immediately intrigued me. Tracy Roten is a longtime friend of mine from the WordPress space. We actually met because we happened to be writing similar books around the same time. Well, Tracy has gone on to do some very cool things. One of which is leading a WordPress development team for the federal government, specifically to completely redesign state.gov, the State Department's website. We talk about lots of stuff in this interview, from the actual development work to working on such a huge organization, and even how to handle working with different corporate cultures and some of the best ways to work through that. So let's get to this interview, but first, Here's a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Ahoy, the easiest way to increase customer engagement on your WordPress site. Install Ahoy, create a message box, configure where to display it, and start seeing conversions come in. You can create messages for cart abandonment, upsells and cross-sells, custom support, and so much more. Ahoy's flexible conditions let you choose exactly where and when you want your message to be displayed. I've recently installed it on my own WooCommerce site and I've already seen increased engagement. And I know this because of Ahoy's powerful analytics and reporting. You will see ROI within days of installing Ahoy, if not sooner. And that's even more true for listeners of How I Built It. You can get an exclusive 20% discount on any plan. Visit useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and use the code howibuiltit at checkout. That's useahoy.com, U-S-E-A-H-O-Y, useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and the discount code howibuiltit. Use those today. Increase your engagement and sales on your WordPress site. Thanks to Ahoy for their support of this show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is a good friend of mine, Tracy Roten. She is a web developer and was the technical architect on the project that we're going to be discussing today. Tracy, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. The weather is nice as we record this. It's been, I don't know about for you, uh, in the you're in the DC area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Philly area, it has been raining too much, uh, but the sun is out, and that's a welcomed uh, surprise. 
So, um, but we're not talking about the weather today. We're talking about WordPress development. So, Tracy, why don't we uh, why don't we get started with a little bit about who you are and what you do? Great. Um, so, for a couple of years, I've been running my own business, uh, Topcat Studios. I've been doing mostly custom WordPress development, which I've been doing for for a longer time than that. But it's kind of been my own business for a couple of years now. And uh, mostly I've been working with other agencies, just kind of developing sites mostly by myself, uh, taking other people's designs and, and tossing them back as fully functional custom WordPress sites. Um, and that's, uh, but occasionally I do contract out for other people, and that's kind of where this project came from. Very cool. And we, we got on each other's radars, I think, because we were both writing a similar book at the same time. Is that right? Right, and we were both on Shop Talk Show yes. around the same time, too. And I was starting to be convinced that you and I were actually the same person for a <laughs> while. Yeah, I remember that. I remember, uh, I forget, I, I think you were there, you were on the show first, or, or we were definitely around the same time, and I was like, ah, we should, I should find out more about this person. Um, and it turns out we're in the, we were in the same area, we've met at many word camps, and uh so um, I'm, you know, I'm glad that we didn't take the approach of like I'm writing a, the same book, so we can't be friends. Um, but <laughs> which it, I'm sure at this point both of those books are horribly, horribly outdated. I know mine is because yes. this is like pre CSS Grid, pre even Flexbox to some extent, and yep. so uh, I would love to have, find the time to kind of rewrite some of those things, but maybe not in book form. Maybe more of a series of blog posts and stuff, but. As you will soon see, um, time is something I don't really have a whole lot of disposable. Yeah, time is tough. Uh, I will say I spoke to my publisher, and my book is now officially no longer in print. Uh, and I was like, what about a second edition? And uh, they told me point blank that people in the WordPress space don't buy books. Uh, mm. So we're, we're working on uh, other options for me to get a, a, another book out there. Um but this is great. So, so uh, you convert word, you convert designs into WordPress sites, but you also contract out. And so, um, when you when we talked, uh, you said that we're going to talk about the launch of a major redesign of a federal agency's website. But um, the actual agency was under lock and key. You couldn't tell me who it was. Can you tell me who it is now? Yeah, so let me just tell you a little bit about the the origin story because that's kind of yeah. how I I got intrigued in this project. So I got uh, a LinkedIn request um, from an agency that said that they were looking for a technical architect, and as I said, I'm running my own business, so so joining another agency wasn't really something I was interested in. But you know, you throw out the word technical architect when you mostly do solo development, that gets very intriguing because now you're talking about team leadership and architecture and a whole lot of, it's like the next level. And so I started talking to them and there was like, this was for a federal agency with a diplomatic mission. And that immediately intrigued me because way, way, way back before I even had dreams of becoming a web developer, I had dreams of becoming like secretary of state and working in the foreign service and doing all of this. And I had actually interned right out of college at the state department for a summer right before I, I, a misguided attempt to go to law school. So there's only one agency in the D.C. area that has a diplomatic mission, and that is the State Department. And that ended up being what the project was, a redesign of the state.gov State Department's flagship website. 
And wow. You can <laughs> obviously tell from somebody with my personal background that this was a project I wanted to be a part of. Team leadership, WordPress development, moving from their custom proprietary CMS that was antiquated, no longer doing the job that they needed to do, converting it to a modern WordPress. Plus, it's an agency in D.C. that is near and dear to my heart with a mission that you may have your opinions about how an administration runs any kind of policy, but they're doing the good work. They are trying to promote peace and security throughout the world and you know, not doing some of the things that make the bad headlines and such like that. So this was definitely a project that I was very eager to become a part of. Wow, that's really fantastic. So state.gov, I will link that in the show notes, uh, is is being powered by WordPress now. Uh, yes, which is, as which, of last week as we're recording this. Wow, that's, well, first of all, congratulations. That's a really great accomplishment. Um, and it's really cool to see uh, a such a high-level um, federal agency using WordPress. And, you know, I know that, WordPress power is like 30% of the web and blah, blah, blah. But um, it's it's still nice to see these like m- huge uh, organizations get on board with what a lot of people still view as like this just open source blogging platform. Right. And, it, you know, just to kind of be a part of the, the team, plural, to, to kind of usher that in, um, when I first started doing, well, no. When I first came to D.C. again after a stint in California for a while, um, it was like the beginning of the Obama administration, and you know everything was Drupal, Drupal, Drupal for mm-hmm. a long time. And now the pendulum has definitely shifted. There is a lot more WordPress go- development going on in both the public and the private sectors here in D.C. The WordPress community here, as you well know, is one of the top WordPress communities in the world. Um, it has a very strong meetup community, very strong players uh, live and do their work here. So it's been a great community to be a part of, and it's been wonderful to see kind of the growth of WordPress uh, in this area. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, I, I kind of want to ask you this question off the record. Uh, feel free to answer it if you'd like, but... Um, I want to word it in such a way that will not betray either of our political views, but uh, it's, I mean, uh, let's speak generally, right? If there was, if there is a political organization um, that you might not fully agree with, do you think you'd have a hard time taking that job? Or do you think like this is, you still get to do the, the good work? Well, it's interesting that you said that, so I'm going to answer that in a, in a couple of ways. So I've been yeah. reading Mike Montero's new book, Ruined by Design, mm-hmm. and he talks about some of the more controversial policies and how people at private companies have stood up against some of those controversial proper, uh, uh, policies. Mm-hmm. And I really do feel like if this was not an agency that I agreed with their principles, then I would not have contributed to the project. And and one thing one of my teammates observed yesterday, actually, we, we went down to state, we had a little celebration for the, the launch of the site. It's like every agency in the federal government, the people there 
reflect the missions of that agency. So working on the State Department, I mean, it's like any other client. They're, you know, clients are going to have unreasonable requests. They're going to be mm-hmm. petty about some things. And, and, you know, that just goes with web development in general. And that's right. universal. But they're a little more diplomatic about it. They'll kind of try to find a way to compromise, whereas maybe people in another agency who have a different particular mindset may not have taken the same approach to problem solving. Um, so they're, you know, so that's that's in there. And then there are aspects of the State Department's work that maybe I'm not a particular fan of, um, and so maybe I will, you know, opt to not participate in particular subsites or whatever, but that remains to be seen. The next the next goal on this overall project is to take all of the um, embassy websites for the U- United States embassies around the world and move them into this new design. Wow. And just, you know, one more comment. I know, know this was like a small question with a very big answer, but yeah, right. one, one of the first uh, – tweets that I saw when it, when it was launched, but nobody had made any announcements, is, is somebody who, oh, they redesigned the website to be part of the administration's propaganda or something along this way. And that tweet ended up getting deleted. But that, sure. that kind of hurt because we really didn't design this with any particular political view right. or administration ethos in mind. The design is really meant to be agnostic, the content is whatever the current administration is going to put in as content. Yeah, and, right. You know, in, in two years, we may have another administration, and their priorities are going to shift, and we're going to have different content, or it may stay the same, or who knows? We don't know what the future brings. But the goal of this was not to support any one political view support any particular party, 99.9% of the people who work in the federal government in this area are career civil servants who've served through the Trump administration, the Obama administration, Bush administration, back to yeah. Clinton in some, era, in some cases. So it's really not a political objective. It's, uh, you know, let's pri- you know, promote the priorities of our particular agency. And the State Department has priorities that I can support, whereas other agencies, not so much. This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up on Pantheon. So you can head over to pantheon.io today, again, to set up a free account. Pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support of this episode and this season of How I Built It. 
people think that every federal agency adopts the face of the current president, right? But I mean, it's not like you put any presidential, like any campaign slogan on the website, right? It's, this is the State Department. These are, like you said, people like you and me, maybe people slightly better than me, because they've dedicated their life oh, stop. To, to civil service. Uh, and... um they're they're serving the they're serving the cause and the constitution and um, I think that that's uh, that's a very admirable viewpoint. I'm I'm really glad I asked that because I was hoping you would answer in that vein and and you definitely did. So um, that's fantastic. Uh, now as far as uh, let's talk tech now, right? That's why yes, we're both here. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and there's uh, a lot of tech to talk about on this. Yeah, absolutely. So you are the technical architect for a federal agency's website. Uh, this website has probably existed since the Clinton administration, I'm going to guess, um, in, in some way, shape, or form. What was that, just in general, what was that like? Well, as I said, they had a proprietary customized CMS um, that looked like it had been built in the Clinton administration, <laughs> to be frank. Um, and so basically, if, if we just scrapped that whole thing and started from scratch, there was a lot of content migration that happened because some things got preserved. But you could actually see what the old sites look like because they archive after every administration. They don't take the site ah. down. So you can go back and see the Obama era uh, website. It's all, it's all archived on, on subdomains and then go back to, you know, George W. Bush, et cetera. Um, so those sites will still exist and will continue to exist permanently in their existing form. Um, but from, you know, as of last week, you know, May fifteenth, twenty nineteen onwards, it's it's going to have this new design. Um, they've ported over a lot of the content uh, into the new format, but that was a very painstaking process. There was no automated like migration tool. It was really a bunch of people in the State Department just going over documents. Ten thousand of them ended up getting moved over. Um, so that was an, an entire Atlassian task uh, on its own to do that. Wow, that's wild. Uh, as as you were talking, I I managed to find some of the. It looks like it's a year range, uh, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, for example, nineteen ninety seven hyphen two thousand is the archive for the most recent Clinton administration state uh, State Department website. Right. Um, so that's. Super interesting. Uh, I think I caught the last one before your redesign, which looks very interesting. Um, <laughs> so a big, I'm going to say big improvement. <laughs> uh, it, your design over uh, the most recent one, um, but that's so that's a very interesting thing that it was archived. And um, I guess they they hired you knowing that you were a WordPress person. So did you, did you have to make this the WordPress sell, or they knew they wanted to use WordPress? No, they had they had picked the WordPress okay. as the technology before I had come aboard, and then had found me out because of my association with WordPress. Um, part of the driving factor was that the embassy websites that I had mentioned before actually are already on WordPress, gotcha. and that's actually a multi-site instance. So one. Subsite for every embassy around the world, so about 200, give or take. So, wow. 
kind of using that synergy to use, to use those fancy buzzwords yeah. <laughs> uh, was one of the driving factors of moving this to WordPress because they had the competency in place. They actually already have contractors who are responsible for the maintenance of the embassy sites. So it was kind of leveraging known technology on the, that front. Gotcha. That, and that makes sense, right? If they want to bring the new design into the fold, presumably it'll be a little bit easier since they're both on WordPress. Um, and uh, we will talk about that when we get to the title question. But um, as far as uh, the the research uh, that goes into this position, right? Because uh, they had already chosen WordPress for a number of reasons. Uh, I'm sure they had other contractors. Um, but what? how did you prepare for, for this job? What kind of research went into, I'm about to do a redesign, I'm going to help with a redesign for a government agency, how is that going to work? So a lot of it was handled by the firm that hired me, and I am purposely not naming names because of sure. all the contractual issues. Mm-hmm. You know, Some companies are allowed to take credit for things and others are not, so I don't right. want to step on any of those issues. So the firm that had hired me had already started doing a lot of the UX work, a lot of the visual design work, and they, what they did is they were working like one sprint ahead of the tech team. Um, when I came in, and this is like April of 2018, so this has been 13 months oh, in the wow. works. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the longest project I've ever been on. You're used to like three months, yeah, and you just right. like move on. Um, but uh, they had had some contractors hired for the positions that they needed. So they had a couple back-end developers, a couple front-end developers who were staff of the agency, and they were like looking for one more. And thank goodness, a friend of mine who I had worked with at a previous agency um, was available and came on board. Um, and he was like just instrumental. So we basically that was most of the my early work was putting together the team um, through the mixture of people who were already working for the agency and people who were brought in as contractors like myself. Um, and then it was just basically, you know, where do we start? What do we use as a starter theme? Well, that's where kind of, it was less research and more of, well, you hired me, so I'm going to do things my way. Mm. Um, and that's where we used underscores as the starter theme. And we used SAS as the front end uh, CSS kind of preprocessor. And a lot of those kind of decisions were, were just kind of driven by, well, this is the way I always do things. So it's going to be quickest if we just kind of keep those practices involved because they've worked for me for, for years and might as well stick with what works. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, and you're basically coming to a blank slate, right? Because you're switching content management systems. So exactly. it's not like you were like, oh, we need to support these plugins or we need to support Yeah, there this was framework. no legacy code to have to deal with at all. The plugins that we brought in were the ones that I've used in the past or, or we researched and were the ones that met the needs. Um, again, I mean, we can. We can dive more into tech now, or we can dive more into tech later. But I'm uh, f- some other early decisions were not to use Gutenberg, 
which was, was at go- the time. I was going to ask. Yeah. I, know, that, I actually got that question on Twitter yesterday. Um, the reason for not using Gutenberg was, A, this was before WordPress 5.0 was released, um, and Gutenberg was not stable. And for the amount of development we had to do, uh, it was just not going to be a good choice to, to go with something that was still so much in flux. Yeah. Um, and so instead we used a uh, heavy use of ACF Pro, Advanced Custom Fields Pro, to build the custom templates that the State Department needed. They needed a variety of different templates to meet their content types. So different template for bureaus, which would have uh, particular information. Then we have you know different template for landing pages or policy issue pages or all those kind of things that each require different information. So it was just a better better way of sticking with the classic editor and using ACF Pro as basically your content entry system for most cases. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that sounds like an incredibly good approach. Um, and I know it's a, something that I've heard other agencies doing, right? Like they'll, they will generously use ACF Pro um, or some other uh, custom fields thing, but I'm a big fan of ACF Pro. Um and they'll just straight up, in some cases, hide the editor, uh, and they'll have you know these boxes that are specifically designed to display this information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, to to your point, right? If you started this thirteen months ago, that is when Gutenberg and five were supposed to launch, and then it got delayed. So, kind of making that decision early on in the process was probably a, a good one, right? Um, do you do you have plans to support Gutenberg in the future or um, not at the, yeah. not at this point? I mean, at some point we can re re uh, you know come back to that. Yeah. Um, maybe you know we also, as I said, we have the the embassy sites right. to work on next. So do we go? But the, also the amount of content, just even today, I, I have worked on other projects since then. Um, one of which I'm using Gutenberg and one of which I'm not. And I just find that the the content entry process using Gutenberg is a lot slower than it is for the kind of the old-fashioned content editor or classic editor way. So when you're dealing with the volume of data that they had to migrate over, slowing down, if it took twice as long to enter in one page of content, that was going to significantly impact further not that we didn't have some impacts in, sure. in schedule as it was. Um, the uh, one-month furlough did not help because uh. that State Department was one of the agencies that got furloughed, so that was not conducive to the timeline, obviously. Wow. Um, but anyway, any, any kind of slowdown like that would have just introduced more delays, and, and at some point you just got to say, you know, no more delays. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's... Um you know, Gutenberg is in this weird middle area between like content editor and page builder, and it's it's certainly good for some things, but um, again, I mean, it's a case by case basis, and I think in this case, it probably would have hurt the project more. Yeah. Um, so as as we're talking about kind of the tech stack, you mentioned underscores and SAS, two tools I'm a big fan of. Um, ACF Pro, another another great tool. Uh, let's get into the title question. How did you build it? And as you answer this question, um, I I 
am curious to know if you designed with the multi-site project in mind, if they told you up front, hey, we're going to do this next, or if they told you that like halfway through the project or whatever. Okay, so first of all, we're going to have to change the name of your podcast because it's not how I built this, it's how we built this. This was a <laughs> team, a cast of dozens. We had UX designers, content architects, front-end developers, back-end developers, full-stack developers, such as myself. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't one person, and I really don't want to fall into the the, the hacker news. Like, she, she did like 10% of the work. It takes 100% of the credit. I'm not taking it 100% of anything. Yeah, this yeah. was a huge team effort. Um, and so, again, it was an agile process. The designs per template were happening a sprint ahead of the development work, which I really wasn't a fan of because as the designers moved on to the next template, we didn't really foresee certain modules being reused that ended up getting reused because gotcha. they decided, okay, this module works for this page in this context. Mm -hmm. And so we had named things in a certain way and, and uh, constructed the file structure in a certain way. And now we have to go back and change it because something that is specific to one template is now shared across multiple templates. So it would have loved a, a little bit more of a holistic approach in terms of the design, but you know, it, yeah, we did go back and, and retrofit things as we had to. So, so that was that part of it. As far as designing with the mission and the multi-site in mind, that wasn't even in the cards, and that was a little bit because of how the structure of the contract worked. So, this agency that initially hired me came in and all they were tasked with was state.gov and not even to get it to launch. It was basically the initial build. The contract ran until like the end of last October. I remember going into a meeting the day before Halloween as basically, this is my handoff. This is how it works. This is where the code is. This is my email. If you need to reach me, bye. See ya. I thought I was done. Mm -hmm. I thought that was it. My yeah. contract with the other agency ended and I was off to do my other things under Tocat Studios. And then about a month later, I get a call from the contracting firm, a federal government contracting firm who had taken over the contract and they were like, well, we have this project. We're redoing the state.gov website and we wanted, and we heard your name and we thought you might be good for this project. And I'm like, well, let me tell you something about the history of this. You know, I was on the team that built that, right? <laughs> and I think they did know. I think they were just being a little coy. So right, I ended right, up yeah. getting hired by the federal government contracting firm that was taking this to launch. And then they were the ones who were told, like, in the future, after the state.gov launch, you're going to be working on the embassy sites. So that was my first inkling. Like, after I thought I was done with this thing, right. I was going to move on to my next thing. I'm coming back in. I was like, like Michael Corleone. Everything, every time yeah. I think I'm out, they pull they me pull back me in. They pull me back in. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so that's where we are now. And actually, now one of the, the things I'm working on actually in the next sprint, is like a, a piece of the site that the original agency never actually got to. We just didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. Kept kicking that can down the road, and now it's ending up back on my plate. And guess what I'm going to be coding in about two weeks is this 
piece of functionality that wow. still needs to be done. So, yeah, that's nice. where we are with that. This episode is brought to you by Cloudways. Are you facing performance and security issues or launching your ambitious project with WordPress? Look no further. Cloudways has got you covered. Their managed WordPress hosting is the best choice for websites looking for ultimate speed, advanced security, and 24-7 expert support. Now, a lot of hosts promise a lot of things, but they have a whole bunch of features to choose from, including cloud providers like DigitalOcean, Amazon Web Services, and Google Cloud. And you can quickly and easily get up and running with your WordPress website without the need to be a system admin. You get a CDN, scalability, staging, and backups out of the box. I recently set up a WordPress website on AWS with Cloudways, and it was by far the easiest experience I have ever had with AWS. Cloudways works as an extended team for individuals and businesses, handles all of the server management, and lets you focus on building amazing websites for your ever-growing business. If you like what you've heard, Start with a three-day free trial of Cloudways now. And don't forget to use the promo code HIBI20 for a free $20 hosting credit. Head over to howibuilt.it slash cloudways today. You mentioned it's a cast of dozens, um, all kind of different positions and backgrounds and things like that. As a front uh, full stack developer and the technical uh, architect, what was your primary role? Like, were you mostly coding or were you mostly managing or were you like splitting the time? It's basically a split of the time. So I would go in like, you know, in the days before a sprint and create like scaffolding of the templates that I knew we were going to need um, and kind of get things set up. I would go into Jira and, uh, you know, take the stories and break them out into the necessary subtasks, usually roughly broken up into the custom field work, the back-end work, and the front-end work. And then, you know, we would go through and do, like, the the uh, agile process poker thing, mm-hmm. whatever that's called, yeah. and assign the, <laughs> assign the points, assign right. the stories and the subtasks. You know, the, there were people who were either just front-end or just back-end, so assign them the, the right subtasks, and then just collectively take whatever project, you know, whatever piece of the project needed to be coding code for a couple, for like a week and a half. The agency only ran in two-week sprints, which I think was not enough time to do everything that was demanded in a sprint. But unfortunately, the schedule had kind of been set before I came on Mm. board. Uh, Ideally, I think we would have liked to have two weeks for development and then a week to fix any bugs that had come up in testing over the course of those two weeks. Um, instead, we had just two weeks to do all the coding, testing, bug fixing, which led to frantic nights the night before, demoing this to the client to make sure things were working properly and didn't break. Um, in this federal contracting, because I had a little bit more influence of the schedule early on, and that's where the furlough kind of helped because we mm-hmm. could get our acts together before, you know, right. while they were off uh, being idle. Yeah. Um, Forced idol, I should say. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I advocated for that position, like let's do two weeks of development followed by a week of remediation. And so our sprint cycles are three weeks, not two weeks. And that, that makes for a lot better pace when you're dealing with a long-term agile project like this. Absolutely. And so you mentioned two things that I want to touch on before we wrap up this episode, um, and that is testing and demoing to the client. Um, did you did you have a formal test process in place? Did you have automated testing? What was that like? So the agency and the federal contracting firm are do testing in different ways, but they both have dedicated testers who that is their and that is their job, quality assurance engineers. First time I've ever worked on a project where it wasn't just like the designer clicking around, making sure all the paddings and margins were done. This was serious testing. Um, it was less automated at the agency level. Um, it's more automated now at the federal contracting level. I think that's just uh, the nature of the people who are doing the testing and their mm-hmm. different philosophies. Uh, so, you know, again, it's just like identify issues, create the JIRA bug reports for them. The developer who worked on it would go back and, and address those, or if they didn't have time, somebody else on the team would. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, uh, every periodically um, demo this to the, the client and, and show them the, you know, the accomplishments of the the current sprint. Get the feedback if there was any last minute changes before, you know, wrapping up a particular sprint and moving on to the next one. Um, usually, that's been pretty good. Occasionally they've been like, well, we really, really don't like how that turned out, but that's been very rare. Most of the time um, they've been pretty satisfied with the work at the end of the sprint and move on to the next sprint. Nice, nice. So that's that's super interesting is that it kind of depends on the agency. I guess that makes sense, right? Um, each agency has their own method of doing things. Um, and then as far as demoing to the client, what was that? In my head, you know, it's a federal agency. It seems like a giant bureaucratic mess of designed by committee. Um, but you also had a pretty strict timeline, and it sounds like some pretty uh, thought out processes along the way. Um, so, so what was that process like? So fortunately, we were working with a small group within the State Department. Yes, it's a huge organization. It's literally worldwide organization. Um, but we were dealing with a particular team, um, and in particular, a particular leader of that team. And for the most part, what her decision was, was final. And that made things go a lot more smoothly. Now, you know, we all we always talk about office politics, and here we're right. dealing with actual politics. Yeah. So there were sometimes, you know, allowances that have to be made to sure. some assistant secretary somewhere. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, it was this core team in uh, International Information Programs Office. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to change their name now that they that whole bureau has been reorged. But um, they were the ones who were in charge of the project. They were the ones that we answered to. They were the ones that, that gave the yes or no decisions and gave us our marching orders. They, they are still doing that. Um, they are still the ones who are requesting the new functionality as you know they deem needs. Now, they're getting their input from other bureaus in the State Department and other offices. So it's not like they're decreeing amongst the whole agency, this is mm-hmm. the way it's going to be done. They're getting input. But it's nice to have that filter. 
that right. one point of contact and not have to deal with, like you said, the, the client by committee, that that would be a nightmare. And I think everybody recognized that, that that's not a model that works. So we've been very fortunate to have a very organized structure and a, a great group of people at the State Department to work with. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And um, if I can impart some advice on the listeners here, it's really nice that you had a specific leader, a person on the team that their word was the final one. Uh, for anybody who's who's doing work with a a committee, um, get that defined up front. I, I was just working on a project where feedback from one person contradicted feedback from another, and I was like. Who's the final final on this? Like whose word is the most important one? Um, and so getting that defined as early as possible will make things a lot easier in the long run. Um, so let's wrap this episode up with uh, two, you know, the two questions I always end with. Uh, starting with your plans for the future. You mentioned the multi-site project. Um, do you see yourself doing more work for the federal government in the future? Was this an enjoyable process for you, as much as you could say, without uh, you know, risk, <laughs> risking your job, of course? Well, I'm, I'm on this contract for a while. I mean, mm. I, the, the agency I'm working, I, I don't like calling them an agency because we'll get to that in, in yeah. a second, but the, the contracting firm I'm working with now uh, hired me on. I think they have this contract for two years, okay. starting this past November, so another year and a half. Yeah. Um, so I'm on this for for the foreseeable future. Uh, again, it was just an incredible, weird, wonderful full circle to my entire career. Um, connecting two pieces of my life that I thought would never have any connection, coming together in this one incredible project that I am incredibly honored to have been a part of. Um, it was just an, an amazing experience, and I'm, I'm glad to have played whatever you know part in this that I, I have, um, because it's just it's an agency that really is near and dear to my heart. Um, and I don't know how much more I can answer answer that question other than this this was a, a very uh, humbling and honorable experience to work on this. Yeah, that's that's perfect. That's fantastic. Um, I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy for you as a friend. I'm very happy that you're coming on the show to talk about your experience. I think it's valuable insight to uh, the listeners and to me personally. Um, and so let's wrap up with my favorite question, which is: Do you have any trade secrets for us? Yeah. So this is the one I kind of struggled with because I know you ask this every time. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give two answers that I don't think either of these are really secrets at mm. all. Um, the first of all is like before we started this conversation, you mentioned you had bought a house and you were moving. And just as the contents of your life grow to fill your house and the contents the contents of your of the work that you do grow to fill your available time. And I have found this to be true working on, on this and still trying to keep you know, my other business up and running. It, whatever time you think you have gets quickly swallowed up by life and work and projects. And, oh, yeah, let's not forget, I have two kids who have demands on my time as well. So, so whatever available time you have will get eaten up by life. So that's not exactly a secret, but certainly some, a truism I've found. 
And the other is there is a you know great variety of cultural differences out there when it comes to different organizations and how they approach what is essentially the same project. The, the approach that the first agency I worked with and their culture is a completely, you know, they're the young, the hip agency. They've got the warehouse office in Northeast D.C. Um, and then you contrast this with the agency I'm working with now, which is a lot more established government contracts, not really kind of tied to any particular technology set, so maybe not as familiar with WordPress coming in. They've got the offices out in Northern Virginia by the airport. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so same project, two entirely different cultures. And sometimes the, the key is just basically uh, learning to adapt, becoming something of a chameleon, being able to work in different systems just because you need to, there is still an end result that has to get done. And so you have to work within the system that you have in order to do that. Again, that's, not sure if that's a secret, but that's that, something I learned. Yeah, and both fantastic pieces of advice, right? And uh, I love how you uh, tied this back to me buying a house. Um, <laughs> because you're right, like we... Uh, oh, excuse me. I'll clap my hands. I'm glad I started. I'm glad that I forgot to turn Do Not Disturb on. Man, what a rookie mistake for me. Um, All right, I'll clap my hands and we'll start again. I love how you tied it back to uh, me buying a house because you're right. Like the the stuff fills the space that you have. We're currently going through all of our stuff going, do we need this? Like, why do we have this? Um, And so we're guarding our space a little better as we continue to move. Maybe uh, take Tracy's advice and uh, guard your time a little bit more if you can. Um, And then... I love, like, learn to adapt and work in different systems. The The biggest takeaway from my education at the University of Scranton was that they, uh, I learned how to learn there. Um, like, the technology, you know, I, I used Java for, for my degree, and I haven't touched Java basically since I graduated. So, um, but I learned how to program. And I, I was taught to learn how to program. So um, I, I really love that advice. Learn to adapt and work in different systems because um, you'll have better opportunities, more opportunities, and, and you'll be uh, easier to work with too, I imagine. So mm-hmm. um, Tracy, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, where can people find you? So you, got, you can find me. My uh, Twitter account is Topecat. That's T-A-U-P-E-C-A-T. Um, that's also my URL. My, my company is topcatstudios.com. Um, I'm still trying to kind of keep that running and keep working on the State Department's uh, site as well. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Awesome. I will link that and everything we talked about in the show notes today over at How I Built It. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Joseph, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks so much again to Tracy for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation because it's always interesting to uh, kind of peek behind the curtain of working for a federal agency, uh, especially a, a diplomatic one. You know, the as Tracy said, the ones doing the good work. Uh, so it was cool to see her um, work at the federal level. It's really cool to see more WordPress development going on at the federal level. And, of course, she offers us some great advice, Um, you know, about uh, managing your time, 
and learning how to adapt and things like that. So I uh, really, really loved this conversation. Uh, so if you liked this conversation, uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can do so over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsors, Ahoy, Pantheon, and Cloudways. If you want to get uh, more information about them and all of the show notes, you could head over to howibuilt.it slash 136. If you, now I, I want to tell you real quick before we, uh, before we end this episode about a special offer I have for a workbook of sorts. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me lately about how to launch their own podcast. And so I've put together a workbook. It's a precursor to a course I'm launching called Podcast Liftoff. You can get that workbook for free over at howibuilt.it slash liftoff. It's a free workbook that'll take you from choosing your topic and your format all the way up to launching your show. And it has a lot of templates and really cool stuff there. So definitely check that out over at howibuilt.it slash liftoff. And until next week, get out there and build something.